0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Dwellenbach comes set. Here's the pitch. Slider, ground ball, base hit, center field. Sotras rounding third. Hallmark up with the ball. Fires it home. we got to play at the plate. He is out at the plate. Jackson Hallmark with a laser home to Griffin Everett. Slaps the tag on Sotras. We are still
0: tied and going to the 12th inning. How about that throw by Hallmark? Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Here we are back for another week of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Summer. Thank you so much for spending some of your evening with us. Three full hours coming your way tonight, including hour number two with our baseball show for the week. The head coach of now, the nationally ranked Cornhuskers will be here in hour number two. Get your comments, questions
2: ready for that. It's been a long time coming. Feels good to be able to say that, doesn't it, Ben? Yeah, sure does. And I don't know that uh, you know after Saturday's game that we were feeling like this was going to be the week that Nebraska was going to be in the polls. It's kind of funny that you know the pollsters wait until Nebraska really didn't play their best this weekend to decide to put them in. But you know you've won seven consecutive series. You haven't lost a series yet. Knock on wood. I got a really good Rutgers team coming to Lincoln this weekend. Who's just took two of three from Michigan on the road but this is great to be to be in the polls to be in the conversation to be you know relevant and you know in the um, committee's minds this late in the season I understand there's still a lot of baseball a lot of baseball left probably not probably the most important baseball of the season to be played with the games that are left for Nebraska including, you know, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio State, Rutgers. There, there's some really good teams on Nebraska's schedule next, but for right now, we'll take it and you hope that, you know, getting back home, which is something that this team hasn't been able to do in a long time, with some nice weather and some great fan support, we'll get them playing well again. Yeah, I we mentioned this on the broadcast
1: yesterday that the Huskers have now played 27 games and only had 7 at Haymarket Park. So that they do have nine more home games left so you know you've got you've got 17 games left nine of them so just over half are, are at Haymarket Park that's always been a great advantage for the Huskers and it starts with Rutgers on Friday night. Kind of felt like it was coming. We got some indication from some of the national writers after uh, the Huskers won that 12-inning affair yesterday that probably good news coming today as far as being in the polls. That's been important to people, and I think it is more important this year because they're going to pre-select these regional sites in a couple of weeks, and if you're not in those polls, you're not really going to be part of the discussion. Once you're in the poll, I think they take a ser- more serious look at you so I think it is more important. Some people say, oh, don't worry about that stuff. Just keep winning. That's true. In I mean, most years, I would agree with that. But this year, because of the pre-selection of the regional sites, you better be ranked when they make those picks here in a couple of weeks or you're not going to be able to get one of the 16 regional sites. Still don't know if we do or not, but you certainly you, you, up, your, your, you up your chances, right, if you're in that top
2: 25 or multiple top 25 polls. Well, and the other thing people need to understand is that, that, that idea of, you know, you've just got you to win. That stuff will take care of itself. That's true, but you got to understand that this year the Big Ten's at a huge disadvantage than every other conference in America outside of the Ivy League. They're not playing a non-conference, so their RPI is messed up compared to everybody else. And the committee has already said we're not throwing out the use of the RPI as a metric just because the Big 10 decided they're not going to play a full schedule. So, the RPI could very well be a a pretty damning thing to a couple of Big 10 teams just because they're not playing non-conference games. It makes it all more important to be in the top of those standings to have a decent RPI. Nebraska right now is at 48. That's pretty good considering you don't have a non-conference <laughs> schedule at all. And they've got Nebraska's strength of schedule at 202 right now. You have got to find ways to stand out to the committee compared to everybody else. You know, you look at a lot of other schools who are right in the neighborhood of Nebraska's RPI, their strength of schedule, most of them are in the top 50, at the very least, the top 75. Nebraska kind of sticks out with that 202 strength of schedule, but you've just got to find a way to stick out. And I know, you know, there's been a lot of pessimists saying, well, Nebraska hasn't beat anybody yet. We can't help that. We can't help that. We're only playing Big Ten schools, and we're going to end up having the same Big Ten schedule as everybody else. Uh, Everybody plays everybody at least three times. Now some teams play five times. Some teams play four times. Only on on one occasion do teams play six times. Uh, Only two teams do that against each other. But. You know, for the most part, everybody in the Big Ten's strength of schedule is gonna be pretty dang comparable. So you have to stick out and I've I've said this all along with every other team, and being in first place right now at twenty and seven definitely stands out, which is why Nebraska's ranked right now.
1: So, Will Bolt will be here hour number two. Get your comments, questions ready for him. If you have some thoughts about Husker baseball at any time, you can dial us up at 531 500 4686 either with a call or a text. Buckle up and put that phone down, a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Well, we're five days away from the the finish of spring football. This Husker spring game coming up Saturday at 1 o'clock in Memorial Stadium. We will have a two-hour pregame Show here on the Husker Sports Network. Jeremiah Searles will be with Ben. I'll join uh, partway through, and then Matt Davidson will join me in the booth for a kickoff of this game. The Pro- Huskers did practice today. No media availability today. They will practice again on Wednesday, and we will hear from the head coach after Wednesday's practice. So here we go. Final, final week for guys, Ben, to make an impression, uh, to leave an impression maybe on a coach or the coaching staff on their teammates about what kind of role they could have uh, for next fall when this thing gets going again. So every practice is critical in the spring. You don't get a ton of them. You get 15, and the game is one of 15. So uh, they just have two more to go after today's workout uh, so, you know, still, still things to be done. And I can't wait to hear from, what the, from the head coach on Wednesday about what's really gone on the last week or two. We've not heard from him in about 10 days, two weeks or so. So it'll be interesting to hear from him. But here we go. One week left in spring ball.
2: Yeah, it's crazy how fast it's gone. It, it always does. Uh, and I'm really excited for the spring game. I haven't been to one, and I, couldn't, I don't even remember the last one I've been to. I feel like I've been on the road for baseball for like the last five. I know we didn't have one last year at all. So yeah, that's been uh, it's been definitely you know something that I've been looking forward to. and And I think the uh, you know the overall vibe of the spring has been a pretty good one. I think the the competition's been really good in a lot of positions. I, th- I keep going back to the defense and and having those leaders back and kind of setting the tone for some younger players is really important. And you know, breaking in. Um, some different parts with receiver and running back is, is really key. So that to me is going to be the, the, the big key going forward in the, into the fall is you know, how, how can those position groups you know, come together and, and help this team com, come in and compete on Saturdays and help win some games. So
1: that's what our run-up to the spring game will be. Again, 11 o'clock for pregame coverage on Saturday with kickoff at 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up our opening segment uh, of Sports highlight tonight with a couple of volleyball notes. The final uh, AVCA poll is out after Kentucky was crowned, probably to a lot of people's surprise, Saturday night as the national champions. Good for Coach Skinner, who was a part of John Cook's staff some 20 years ago. Uh, Great job by him in leading Kentucky to their first-ever women's volleyball national championship. They're number one in the the overall poll. Nebraska comes in at number six. So the Huskers uh, didn't crack the top five in the final poll, did get in there at number six. And Brent Wagner, among other folks, Brent Wagner from the uh, Journal-Star reporting this afternoon that two of the seniors will not be using that extra year of eligibility. Jazz Sweet, Haley Densberger will not be coming back for Husker volleyball. Uh, no decision yet from Lauren Stiverns or Lexi Son about whether to take the extra year from the NCAA. I would guess we'll hear something maybe either this week or next week from those two about what their futures are. But probably not surprised. Jazz Sweet, Haley Densberger's careers are over. For the Cornhuskers, I'm sure there's – I'm, I'm guessing there were exit meetings last week, Ben, with the coaching staff. That usually was what happened is when you finish up postseason and you let a day or two go by and you kind of clear – you know, calm down a little bit. Cause you're upset. It, it's it's emotional when a season comes to a halt. You do have those exit interviews at the end. And so I'm guessing we'll get maybe some more news from Husker Volleyball as the week moves on.
2: Yeah, I would guess so. Um, you know, this is always – this is a tough position to be in, kind of an unprecedented position to be in with uh, you know with COVID and utilizing the extra year and you know having to structure an academic year you know to go along with it and you know as we're finding out a lot of players are just ready to to move on and and start their next chapter in their life and that is no different in regards to to Nebraska volleyball so um, man I'm gonna I don't think I'll ever forget watching Jazz Sweet in the uh in the final four in Kansas City against Penn State and you know even against uh, Florida in the national championship that was something to watch uh, her work and really play well and I know you know with the injury to Riley Zune she's having to step up and you know really kind of came into her own at the end of this year too but um I I just think the uh you know the overall vibe is to to move on and, and start their next chapter and this may not be the last, and uh, no, we, we've got a lot of other decisions and other sports sports to come down our way too. Yep, no doubt. Surprised, though,
1: weren't you the Kentucky one? I was. I thought the way Texas was playing, the way they they uh, just demolished that Wisconsin team to get to the final to the championship round. I really thought Texas was the team to beat, but man, Kentucky was really good Saturday night at the CHI Center
2: up in Omaha dominant they, they were really good you know we got back in time to to watch that from from uh, our our game and and some dinner but it was it was really good volleyball and you're right I, the way that texas ran through wisconsin and the way they played against nebraska it, it appeared like it was their tournament and all of a sudden boom you know they run into kentucky and win their first national championship and by the way how cool it was it that you know, that team was honoring Terrence Clark, the young man yeah. who passed away for the basketball team. Just terrible, heartbreaking news. That young guy had a lot of potential in the NBA and, you know, just a tragic, tragic incident, you know, out in Los Angeles. And to have that team play for him and bring some happiness to Lexington uh, had to have felt really good for that community. So um, that, that was that was pretty cool to watch and, you know, well-deserved to them. Yeah, no doubt. That final poll again, Kentucky 1, Texas 2, Wisconsin
1: 3, Washington 4. They were the other semifinalists. Florida 5, and Nebraska was 6. So the Oscars, the number two Big Ten team in that final AVCA poll. Won't be long. August will be here quickly, and that's when the Huskers will be back out on the court again. But uh, two decisions today with Jazz Sweet and Haley Densburger. Still waiting on Lexi's son and Lawrence difference. You've been... We'll sit out this segment as we bring on Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. You can read Evan's work at Omaha.com. He covers Husker football and baseball. Now you're covering a ranked baseball team. Did that surprise
3: you, or did you see that coming today? Hey, Greg. Yeah, and you're calling one. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> You know, I, I kind of felt like last week might have been the week that uh, Nebraska might make it onto the next for the way they swept Penn State. Um, I, in fact, I, I kind of thought it was a little ironic that on a weekend where Nebraska did show a little bit mortality in some phases of the game that it has was, was the weekend that they ultimately end up getting ranked by just about everybody. But certainly when you look at the totality of the season that they've had so far, all the metrics would support what Nebraska is doing and, and putting them in the top 25. I mean, they're still a top 12 team in fielding. Uh, you know, scoring A is all top 30 nationally and uh, I I think it's actually a little bit more impressive that they're ranked even now especially considering the league only schedule and there wasn't really a lot of uh, basis for comparison outside the Big Ten so people have noticed Nebraska winning games uh, winning series the way they've been doing and um, you know as Will Bolt I'm sure (laughs) will tell you later tonight like it doesn't really matter to those guys right now but it's a big deal for fans it's to potentially play into the regional hosting discussion and it can't hurt recruiting either so it's a, a good day for the program
1: This weekend was was not easy as you, you alluded to, they, they dropped the Saturday game and then had to really fight and scratch and claw their way through a 12 inning game uh, yesterday Can, did, did, Do you feel like they maybe learned something about themselves, how deep you have to dig sometimes to prevail in, in any sport and certainly in the sport of baseball?
3: Sure I mean It's still, even though it's a shortened season by regular standards, it's still a lot of games. And, you know, I kind of felt like Saturday and Sunday watching them that they maybe looked like a team that was on the back end of two straight long road trips combined with the end of school and all that goes into that. And to their credit, yeah, they they found a way. Like Nebraska is to the point has a program now where we can sort of nitpick some areas uh, that have been of struggle, but ultimately – they're getting the job done. 20 and 7 is 20 and 7. And as much as people, uh, you know, can maybe be critical about no non conference action, the fact of the matter is they're all still Power 5 victories. You know, n- those wins may not include some powerhouses from the South, but they also don't include the northern Colorados of the world and things like that. So, you know, it's just. Uh, it, it, it does feel like um, you know, we're at that maybe lull in the season here where you're a little past halfway, finals are coming up. Uh, certainly you can look ahead into the mid-May and beyond and get really excited for what could happen here. And so, yeah, I mean, we talked about <laughs> trap games and football. This kind of felt like a trap series a little bit for Nebraska, ready to get home, ready for the stretch run. And to their credit, they didn't play their best baseball, but they found a way to win another series. Well, again visiting
1: with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald and omaha.com how, how do you understand when, when is there an ex- a date that we will learn the regional sites have they have they announced a hard date for that and is it a committee making this is it the baseball committee making the decision what what can you shed light on on that topic for us
3: yeah so i talked to the chairman of the division 1 uh, ncaa division 1 baseball committee last week about how they're going about this thing And there's not – the way they phrased it in uh, their memo earlier in the month and the way that it was phrased to me is they'll make a decision on 20 predetermined regional sites by the first week in May. Now, I'm not sure if that would include, uh, you know, for Nebraska's purposes, this weekend at Rutgers. And then the decision would come or if it would be the week after that. But they say uh, that they're going to – sites, which they're doing this year in this uh, season amid a pandemic, to – certify testing and, and things of that nature. So they're going to certify 20, and then of that 20, they're going to whittle it down to 16, and those will be announced at the end of the regular season as they typically would be in any other year. So for Nebraska, uh, the goal number one right now, obviously, is to keep winning games. And if they do that over the next couple of weeks, uh, they should be in the conversation to be among the 20 regional sites. And so that's the first step. Uh, the NCA selection committee is not going to announce that, but the schools will be notified if they've made the cut. So I imagine that's something that, uh, you know, we'll get out there. then, so. from that point, uh, the reason they added those extra four sites, as they told me, was to provide some wiggle room down the stretch for teams that finish strong, for teams that uh, nosedive toward the end. Obviously, you don't want to have a team hosting a regional that then, you know, loses seven of their last 11 or whatever it might be. So then if Nebraska makes that cut, then it becomes taking care of business down the stretch, not just for the Big Ten championship potentially, but also for maybe hosting a regional. So, uh, you know, for, for Nebraska's purposes, they just need to keep doing what they're doing. But in terms of when that decision comes down to those final 20, it'll be in about a week or two.
1: Very good. Again, Evan Bland, the Omaha World Herald with us. He covers Husker baseball and football. So let's shift gears now to the sport of football. Last week of of spring football, the game will be on Saturday at 1 o'clock. They had the open practice uh, last Saturday uh, where about 3,000 folks came through the gates to to watch a a real practice. It wasn't a scrimmage. It was a real practice what they would do with some of the others. As you looked at this team, what impressions were you left with as you saw them out there on that uh, overcast Saturday a week or so ago?
3: first of all, it was just nice to be out there. I hadn't yeah. been on the actual filter turf Memorial Stadium, and uh, you know, since before COVID, really. So it was quite the, quite the moment just to get back out there and see uh, players doing things in person, and uh, seeing fans in the stands here in the Go Big Red chant. All that that was pretty cool. But uh, you know, I thought the receivers honestly stood out to me, and I know sometimes maybe fans don't want to hear kind of the, the hype that's been associated with that position over the last year or two. But, uh, I mean, Omar Manning was out there. He he looked the part. He looked like a 6'4", 225-pound kid. He looked like the guy that Scott Frost said a year ago, he's never coached anybody who looked like that. And, again, it was just a practice. It was, uh, it was certain drills they went through, but he was flashing – the kind of catch radius that Nebraska receivers hadn't had in a while. He was, I think, even flashing some separation speed from some DBs on some deeper balls too. So uh, that was somebody to be excited about. I think Will Nixon it looked pretty good. He was a guy a lot of people maybe forgot about. This uh, uh, knee injury from last year, um, coach's son, someone who was, who was an explosive high school player. I think he'll be somebody who can uh, jump right into things too. And Samari Torre looked. Looked the part two coming over from Montana. He um, just had the physical measurables, the, the speed, the, the, the tools that you want in a Big Ten type receiver. So I thought that position uh, was pretty good. And, um, you know, the quarterback position was interesting. Obviously, everybody knows. Adrian Martinez is uh, entrenched as a starter, as he should be. Um, he looked a little bit faster in some of the, the moments where he was moving around. Uh, his arm strength looked good. The backup position is intriguing to me. I was especially impressed with Einer Tarberg. I felt like he was a guy who, who just has some good clay to mold. I mean, he, his arm strength was evident, the way he got the ball out quick. Uh, he just always seemed to have an extra little hop in his step every time he went in there. Um, you know, as coaches have said, he's still a raw guy. He, he, by all rights, should be attending his own prom here this month. But he, to his credit, has come in and learned the system. And so I don't know if, if he'd be the number two guy this fall. But I was encouraged by what the future of that position looked like, just seeing what he was doing, even in a little bit of an open practice.
1: I think everybody's kind of anxious about the running back room and who's, who's even going to be in uniform this Saturday. I mean, I think that certainly looks like a, a question mark that we'll certainly carry into the summer and maybe even to the August camp before we get some some thought processes there. What about along the lines? It sounds like Greg Austin's been encouraged with the depth that he's developing along the offensive line. I think the defensive line's got pretty good depth, even with a guy like Ben Silly not out there here in the spring right now. Anything along the lines jump
3: out at you? You know, it just seemed it's the, the, both of those lines seemed more settled than they have in a long time, Greg. I mean, it just sure there are position battles going on, uh, especially at the, the right guard spot where Matt Sickerman looks like he might be making a move. But they're just with stability. I mean, they have a lot of older guys who are kind of doing it the old-fashioned way, guys who waited their turn, maybe haven't had major roles on-field roles, at least, in the program over the years. The guys like Matt Sichterman, uh, Brant Bando, Trent Hickson are all guys who, at the very least, continue to push the starters to give that line the kind of depth they, that they haven't had in a number of years, honestly. Uh, I just they, There's a quiet confidence about that group that uh, has to be encouraging for Greg Austin and, and the offense, certainly, as it rebuilds at some of the different skill positions. And Yeah, I mean, defensively, even with Ben Stilley sitting out the spring like it just didn't seem to to phase many of the players or the coaches like they know that kind of a mentor role with some of the younger guys and obviously those younger guys are turning into bigger role bigger uh, you know role players for the team Tate uh, or i'm sorry uh, casey rogers has been somebody who's grown into that position ty robinson uh really looks the part um, from what he's done, just being able to lie, lay eyes on him here this spring. And, you know, we, they like to to have that kind of depth or, or rotation of uh, six to eight guys, and it feels like that's something they're going to be able to get back to this year with some of the talent that they have in that room.
1: Were you were you a, around the Connor Culp interview at all last week? Yeah. Talked about the punter, I guess, who didn't know much about the rules of football. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah,
3: I actually uh, asked him about that. that. That was my question. He, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and Connor Culp is is a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. Like, he, he, he's just going to tell it like it is. And so uh, there was no sugarcoating it from the reigning Big Ten kicker of the year. He said, yeah, when he came in last year from Australia, uh, he didn't know offense from defense. They had to explain uh, down and distance he said really the only thing he didn't have to have explained was how to kick the football. And certainly that was why, obviously why they brought him in. (laughs) He's a really interesting case though, I think, because again, if you're Nebraska, you, you go to Australia to recruit the kid, you give him a scholarship, which not every school gives their punter a scholarship. And then he gets hurt in the fall, misses last season. And so really the open practice was the first opportunity. Anybody, outside the program had a chance to see what he could do and uh he looked pretty good i mean he was hitting balls 40 45 yards in the air um we're going to hopefully get to see what he can do this weekend and remember he's just a freshman so if this kid is what nebraska thinks that he is uh he could be a, a key specialist on this team for three or four years to come and so by all accounts he has a much greater understanding of the position now he you know connor culp joked that uh Daniel Cherney would say, you know, all I have to do is kick it. Really? That's that's my job. Um, but apparently he does that pretty well. So that's going to be, uh, I think, another of the many things to watch here this Saturday.
1: Yeah. Do Do you think we get much? I mean, a lot of times the special teams, they just, they don't return. They don't want to get anybody hurt, so they don't return. I hope we do, because I think that is certainly an area Connor established himself. I mean, all Big Ten, great, great year from him, but I still think people, fans, nervous about that punting game and I hope they do let him let a few lose. That'd be
3: cool. Well, and yeah, I hope so too. And, and why not? Like, if you, you know, they had an open practice two weeks ago to generate some buzz and to let fans back in. So I don't see any reason why they would want to hold back if he's able to go. And quite honestly, it's a position that if he comes in and does what he can do, a major upgrade for what Nebraska yeah. had in terms of net punting last year. I mean, they were right near the bottom of – uh, all of FBS in terms of uh, net putting uh, average. And, and so if he can come in and, and pin some guys along the sideline, show some uh, directional accuracy in addition to just the, the big leg that he clearly has, I mean, that's a that's a major upgrade as far as talking about getting special teams back where Nebraska wants them to be. Absolutely.
1: Evan, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. And I, I, just, I second what you said about how cool it was that, that practice to see some folks in there. I can't wait for Saturday to see – Tens of a uh, couple thousand, tens of thousands that uh, will show up at Memorial Stadium. I think it's going to give us all a jolt of energy to see that on Saturday. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you very much. We'll see you on Saturday. Sounds good, Greg.
0: Tonight it's the Nebraska Baseball Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network.
1: Aiken in. Coming set. Here's the pitch. Breaking ball. Ripped into right center field. That's a base hit. That's going to score two as Anderson drives home the fifth and sixth runs of this game. Nebraska now has a 6 nothing lead.
0: An in-depth look at the Nebraska baseball program.
1: mock comes set. Here's the pitch. Slider. Ground ball. Base hit. Center field. Sotras rounding third. Hallmark up with the ball. Fires it home. we got to play at the plate. He is out at the plate. Jackson Hallmark with a laser home to Griffin. Everett slaps the tag on Sotras. We are still tied and going to the 12th inning. How about that throw by Hallmark?
0: With the head coach,
2: Will Bolt. Ben Scooter set the first pitch to Anderson. Fastball ripped over the head of the shortstop into left field. Down the line to score. Schwellenbach, the freshman from Millard West, delivers. And Nebraska's on top, 7-6. to six.
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford Dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now, here's your host of the Nebraska Baseball Radio Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome to our weekly sit-down chat with the head coach of the Cornhuskers, the nationally ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers. Congratulations on that. You probably would just prefer to talk about the series win, but it, it does mean something. It's a nice nod of what you're doing to get, get your team in the national polls, isn't it, Coach?
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh Again, not something that we necessarily strive for, um, not anything we really talk about, like, hey, let's, get, let's make sure we play good enough to get ranked, but um, at the end of the day, you want to play a high enough level of baseball consistently enough to where people feel like that, that you've got a pretty good team, and, um, you know, so we've been able to do that through just over the first half of the year, and so it's, it's nice to get recognized, but it's all about the finish. It's all about, uh, you know, just playing consistent baseball.
1: Well, anytime you get a series win on the road, you're going to take it. And Ben and I were talking about during the broadcast over the weekend about year in and year out, Jake Boss's teams at Michigan State are some of the more athletic-looking guys in the conference. They're some good-looking ball players. Now, they haven't had the success on the field that maybe they wanted to, but, man, they always have some big strapping kids that look like really good athletes that they put together, and they gave you a challenge all weekend long.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they're as far as just, like you said, straight athletes go, uh, just about every single guy in their lineup got down the, the line. Uh, we got to have a green, yellow, red system to alert our infielders as to how fast um, guys are based on their, their times from when they make contact with the ball to when they get their first base. And, you know, the green guys are the guys that can really scoot, and just about everybody in their lineup is green. Uh, they weren't going to pump a lot. Um with, with a lot of home run power or anything, but just th- that field plays really fast. Um, and they really play to kind of their strength that way with a lot of guys that can really run and, and uh, create some things on the basis. And I'll tell you what, you know, the two right-handers that we saw, the Friday night starter uh, and then Young man that came out of the bullpen on Sunday. Those those two guys have as good a fastball slider combination as as uh, anybody we've seen all year long. So they certainly have some talent. Um, and again, they're just probably a pitch or a play away uh, from you know being a, a 500 ball club.
1: Well, you, you had to dig deep yesterday, the 12-inning game. You got the early lead. They came right back on you and got it tied. And then you mentioned their right-hander, Ben Scooter, who was just phenomenal. He was almost unhittable for, for most of his appearance in that game. But then you were able to match that guy pitch for pitch. I thought Shea finished well. And then you, it looked like you got really good outings from both Cody Frank and, and Spencer today in that game.
4: Yeah, and Shea, Shea's line probably wasn't indicative of how I thought he threw the ball. He's had some games this year where he just hasn't been great. Um, I, I didn't feel that way about his outing um, on Sunday. I felt like he his stuff was good. Um, his misses were really small. Um, I, I think there were some of the walks that he had. I mean, it wasn't like he was just had some huge misses there. I mean, some of his misses were pretty small. Um thought the breaking ball was sharp. He had both breaking balls going again, and the fastball velocity was good. Um, We just didn't – we didn't play defense behind him. I mean, they had a ball that dropped in, uh, a fly ball that kind of dropped in down the line. Um, You know, just before you know it, the 6-0 lead disappears. And and I I thought he did a good job of just kind of riding the ship and allowing us to stabilize the game a little bit and hand it off to Cody Frank. I I like to – you know, Cody, we talked a little bit about it last week. I feel like he's a guy that could be a starter for us. So we like to try to give him a clean inning. So it was good to see Shea be able to kind of get through. Uh, I believe it was five, and then we could hand it off to Cody. And He gave us three really quality innings there. And then Spencer, we put him in the ninth inning of a tie game, and, and we certainly had our chances before we got to that, that 12th inning to, to finish that thing off and wouldn't have – you know, made him throw quite so many pitches and innings. But, he, you know, again, he keeps his pitch count down. Um, and he certainly, uh, once he got kind of his adrenaline going and he competitive juices and he was he was basically uh, going to be his game to win or lose at that point. Um, now, had he gotten into some real trouble there in the 12, we had Buns ready to go. But uh, we had all the faith in the world that Spencer was going to finish it out, and he did.
1: Well, he sure did. Four innings, and he gets the win for for you. And you had some really good defensive plays in that game as well. Cam Chick made a terrific catch late in in the game, and then Jackson with the the throw out at home plate. Those were those were huge plays. And if you don't make them, you don't win.
4: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Cam's play. Goodness gracious. I mean, that that had to have been one of the absolutely most dynamically athletic, just huge plays I've ever seen in person. Just him. The, the how far he had to run uh, and just laying out full extension and hold on to the ball, diving that way. Um, I mean, it was just a really amazing play and, you know, probably helped save the game in, in that spot. And obviously Jackson's throw did save the game. If he, if that throws off just a hair or if he, you know, it just misses up just the line just a little bit um, or it's high or, you know, I mean, it, it, it's ball game. So, I mean, he threw an absolutely perfect strike. And, um, you know, and then it was, you know, Mojo coming in the game late there, made a, made a diving play to, to get us off the field and get us a win. I mean, if he misses that ball, it's a runner at second base, and the tying run comes to the plate. So um, I thought our outfield played outstanding. It was really good to see how we finished that thing off.
1: All right, phone lines are open for you, 531-546-86. That is our Sports only hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's go to the phones. Tanner in Gothenburg, you're up first tonight. Good evening. You're on with Coach Bolt.
4: Hey, Coach Bolt. I, uh, I had a, a throwback question for you, actually. Back in your playing days uh, when you guys would scrimmage, who was the toughest pitcher that you faced uh, during those times? I'll hang up and, and listen. Oh, toughest guy to face. There were two two pretty easy answers for me um, playing inter-squads from back in the day. Uh, Kamina is a, probably a pretty obvious one. Um, he, he made a lot of people look pretty silly, and without him, you know, we probably wouldn't have even had come close to having the success that we did. I mean, he was an automatic win on Friday nights for us, so he was – he was certainly tough. Tom Ott was another really tough matchup for me. He he, uh, he threw a heavy sinker, um, a lot of balls just kind of coming in on your hands. As a right-handed hitter and a really good slider to go with it, and um, he was always the guy that I found extremely difficult to hit. And so did so did our opponents as well. I think he ended up he had set a school record for saves on the 01 team, and I think it since got broken by Brett Jensen and maybe. Um, Maybe somebody else too, but he was really tough to hit. Shane Comini was tough to hit. Um, you know, I could throw RDCs probably in that category too. Uh, I don't want to give him too much credit, though. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he—he he was. Th- those three guys probably uh, were the toughest to to hit for me.
1: Dan, appreciate the question. Let's go to our text line, Bob and Lincoln. Coach, I'm sure we don't need to ask if bunting practice is at the top of the list this week. Why don't the players square around with bunting? Is this a new current-day method?
4: Well, certainly we need to we need to be better than we were this weekend. Um, <clears throat> prior to this weekend, we I think we were probably in the top – I think, I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but I think we were in the top 10 uh, nationally. I know we were number one in the league and sacrificed bunt. So we had done a good job. I, I think probably what maybe uh, it's something that we just need to clean up, I, I, and part of it probably just comes from a stri- uh, strategic change. We, you know, everybody kind of had us as a, having, a you know, a, the bunt on the scouting report. So, we changed up some of the, the methods and started doing a little more slashing uh, because we, we saw some people trying to take away the bunt from us, um, vacating. So, we started slashing a little bit. And I think that maybe had messed up um, some of our techniques when we actually needed to get a bunt down. So, certainly at the top of our list, the things that we need to get cleaned up because that's something that we've just been really good at all year long with just playing that really selfless brand of baseball, whether it be. Hit runs and bunts and those type of things, and, and we were just atrocious. I mean, just there's no other way around it. We just weren't. Um, I, I mean, it cost us a ton of scoring opportunities uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, we just we need to get better at it. We need to we need to clean up some things mechanically and uh, make sure we have good play coverage. And once you set your angle with the bat just leave it there i think what we were seeing is guys that didn't have plate coverage uh, maybe kind of what you're alluding to and then trying to move the bat last minute to to make up for it that's never a good recipe to to get it done so definitely something that we need to address and and get cleaned up because it's a big part of our game
1: bob appreciate the text he did so on our u.s cellular text line proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the huskers U.S. cellular connecting Husker Nation. Let's go back to our phone lines. Chris in Grand Island, you're up next with Coach Bold.
4: Hey, Coach, how are you this evening? I'm good, Chris, thanks. Uh, Congratulations on the hard putt series win this weekend against Michigan State. Thank you. And uh, the question is, is status of uh, Mojo Haggy and uh, Cody Gomez, Colby Gomez, excuse me, Okay. Yeah. Uh, Colby has had, he's had a couple of surgeries. Um, he had a surgery in the off season and had rehabbed and uh, had really gotten to the very end of his rehab and just really didn't quite recover fully uh, from it. And it was something we knew going into it that when he had the surgery, he, he had a procedure that was going to give him a chance to maybe come back and pitch this year, knowing that if it didn't work, um, he would miss this season anyway. So, it, unfortunately, I um, hate it for him. Um, he worked hard to get back, but just it never came back. So, he ended up having another procedure, um, and he'll be out for the remainder of this year. And, and hope, we hope to get him back at full strength come next season, uh, come next spring, and, and hopefully maybe he'll throw a little bit for us in the fall, um, <clears throat> this coming fall. But And, and Mojo, Mojo's good. He uh, he was in left field to end the game, uh, made a big catch for us there. Um, to end the game uh, on, uh, on Sunday. So, uh, Mojo's Mojo's good.
1: Okay, back to our text line. Jerry in Rockport, Missouri. Coach, what is your philosophy on bunting with two strikes? You and your staff are doing a fantastic job. Go Big Red.
4: I think it just depends on the situation. Um, I mean, we've bunted with two strikes probably more than most, um, and I think it just comes from being uh, honestly. I know it didn't look like it this weekend, but we, we felt very confident and comfortable uh, with our guys getting bunts down. So we felt like you know we could we could get that done with two strikes at times. So um, you know, I think it just depends on the the personnel. It depends on the decision. I mean, I'm sorry the the situation of the game. Uh, that that you know the decision making kind of goes based on the personnel and the situation. But um, I think it's certainly something that you know, you, you, you don't get the bunt down the first two times. I mean, you, the reason you're bunting is to try to move the runner up and then a, a guy gets defensive with two strikes and you let him swing away and then you hit into a double play, which is exactly what you're trying to avoid. So, uh, you know, you just got to kind of play a hunch at times too. And um, there's been times we've asked him to bunt with two strikes and we've gotten it down. There's times we've asked him to bunt with two strikes where we haven't gotten it down. So um, bottom line is, though, when asked to bunt, the, 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 best, <laughs> the best scenario is to get it done on the first try.
1: Can that be contagious when when guys see that everybody's kind of struggling? Can that that weave its way down the the line?
4: Yeah, that's a great question, and it's something that you wouldn't think would be, but I think just because we are such a a team, like we, we function in such a team manner, Um, guys often kind of build on each other and what guys have done before them uh, may make more of a difference that way Um, and and usually it turns out for the good where guys are having a good approach and each guy passes on to the next guy but I think there may be a little bit that comes from it where everybody feels the urgency of hey we need to get it down this time and maybe just trying a little bit too hard um, to get it done but I think really more than anything mechanically there's some things we need to clean up, and that'll, that'll help a lot of that. Working on their physical and mental strength.
1: The nationally ranked Cornuskers. they appeared in all the polls today after winning two out of three in East Lansing over the weekend against Michigan State. If you want to be a part of the program, 531 546 either with a call or a text. Let's go back to our text line. Ron, Coach, uh, not taking infield and batting practice before Saturday's game, did that have any effect on our performance that day? Thanks, and go Big Red.
4: No, I don't believe so. I don't think that really played anything into it. Um, you know, both teams were in the same same boat. There, we both hit in the cages. Um, you know, they were they pulled the tarp and uh, we were ready to play. So, no, I don't. I don't believe so. I think there, there's been some other other games this year where we've had either early starts and we've we've chosen to hit in the cages and we've played great. Um, so, I, I don't think that there's really any correlation there uh, just thought it was one of those days where we just we didn't get the big hit when we needed it uh, we didn't make play when we needed to make them and uh, you know that's baseball sometimes.
1: I know you had talked about with with coach boss about maybe playing a doubleheader either Friday or Sunday are you glad you just kept it the way it was?
4: Oh 100% no neither one of us really wanted to play a Friday doubleheader it would have put both of our pitching in a bit of a bind um, and you know, you just want to try to avoid a doubleheader if at all possible. So, um, I mean, it was at the end of the day, it was only a thirty-minute delay. Yeah, uh, we really, we really didn't even play through any rain. Um, field was a little wet, but uh, again, I mean, we've played in a lot worse weather before.
0: Yeah,
1: let's go back to the phones. Let's stay in Lincoln, Gary. You're up next with Coach Bolt. Good evening.
3: Yeah, uh, Coach, uh, I'm really excited about the season so far, but I'm really concerned about something. I'm afraid the scouting report from here on in is going to be we can't hit sliders. Is there anything you can do about that? Um,
4: well, yeah, I, don't, I think what you do is you hit the fastball. Um, that's that's a good start there. Um, and, you know, I think – I don't know if you're basing that off of Sunday's performance. Um you know we've we've actually hammered some pretty good sliders uh, from some good pitchers here um, over the course of this season. So uh, Saturday was I, I got to tip my cap to their 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 guy that came out of the bullpen, uh, Ben Scooter. I mean he was he was incredible. I mean it was just a 96 mile an hour fastball that he held the velocity for four or five innings six innings, and I mean he was dotting up that slider on the outside corner. So um, I I think you would be hard pressed to find many college right-handed hitters that. We're going to do a great job of that. I think, really, at the end of the day, uh, for us, we again, you just got to be on time of the fastball, um, and that puts you in a good position to hit, you know, some of the breaking stuff. So, not concerned with that at all. Um, you know, I think you just chalk it up to a good performance from their their pitcher, and at the end of the day, we got the job done.
1: All right, good show tonight. Thanks to Evan Bland for spending some time with us. Always fun having a head baseball coach here on Mondays. To recap the weekend, thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, and to all of you for listening tonight. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll do it again tomorrow. Good night.